Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have our friend Dick Foth with us back for a session of Back Channel with Foth. And then we jump into a conversation with Amy Young and talk about Global Trellis and a network she's created with specialists to help missionaries on the field. Dick, so excited to have you back with us today on the podcast. Thank you, Aaron. Good to see your face. I know the people listening can't see it, but trust me, people, it's a good face. Uh, and I went this week to get my uh, my beginning parts of getting my implant for my tooth put in. So uh, they're going to take my they're going to take my West Virginia card. I'm not going to be able to be a West Virginian without a, a missing tooth anymore. So anyway, so my dad said maybe they could put a piece of coal in there, and then everybody would know that was from West Virginia. So. There you go. Anyway, Dick, first question I got for you. Uh, The person writes, I'm starting to lead from a distance. I have never done this before. Any thoughts on what works and does not work um, leading others when you're leading others from a distance? You know, I don't know the particular context of this, except that um, the specific or the person clearly, but my my guess is that somebody has a new role the 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 questioner has a good uh, has a new role that means that i have uh people that are not hands on we can't yes. go have coffee in the local bazaar or the souk or whatever every week uh, this is my short answer okay or or as they say on one news program my brief but spectacular moment uh Communication is the key. We know hmm. that. We know that in in the ministry work. We know that in the ministry of our home. We know that in, in our lives. So we can communicate a bunch of different ways, right? We can text. We can email. We can Zoom. Zoom at, at one level. Even though a lot of us have Zoom fatigue, um, it's still it's a tool we can use right now, yeah. just like all use the Roman roads, right? Yeah. Um, I would like to suggest something else, um, or a couple of somethings else. I would like to suggest snail mail. Hmm. There is something about receiving a handwritten or a typed with a hand signed PS note that is significant. Hmm. You, you don't delete it. You could throw it away or you could keep it. And in that snail mail, I would encourage that you lead with an affirmation Hmm. and um, the, the people we lead generally don't need to know what they're, what they're struggling with or what they're messing up on. They know that I I say to people, I didn't marry Ruth Blakely for her to tell me what I'm not. I know what I'm not. (laughs) I desperately need you to tell me who I am. So, so I would like to encourage that Ruth, my wife is a huge letter writer. When we're done with this, with this little piece of the podcast, I'm going to go mail 12 letters hmm. to grandchildren wow. that she sends once a month. Wow. And um, Paul, apparently, and, and Timothy and, and Sylvanus, apparently they really like letters. If, if we didn't have letters, we probably wouldn't have most of the, a chunk of the New Testament. But, but I'm only saying that, even though it's more expensive to do it, um, I would say that snail mail would be an investment in this day at hmm. this point in time. The other thing I would say is that if you're going to do a zoom, which I encourage, you have some, when you're working quote with a team where you have, I don't know, let me pick a number, 12 right. people scattered around. Um, 
you, you could do the team call, but I would strongly encourage you to do a personal call hmm. uh, in some rhythm. So the person has a point of hope to hmm. be able to talk with you hmm. and bounce stuff off you. Much like we encourage couples to have date nights, right? Yeah. Or whatever. Give me a point of hope when I know I'm going to be able to talk to you. And it doesn't always have to be an emergency because hmm. it's built up. So that, so that the leader, the person yeah. who's leading from a distance, <laughs> doesn't have to worry when his or her phone rings or pings that it's going to be a bad deal. Yeah. So good that word. would be my response. Good word. And their second question <laughs> is, Dick, how do they know if they're being effective in, when leading from a distance? Is that just something that happens over time? Or, yeah, they're, they're, I'm adding to their question. Their question, as they wrote it, was, yeah. how do I know if I'm being effective in leading from a distance? Yeah, I um, I always liked Mayor Koch from uh, from New York City. He'd be walking down Fifth Avenue and holler across the street to people, just random people. How am I doing? You know, he because you don't know how you're doing unless you get feedback. Yeah, and unless you get true feedback. Yeah. So to be able to say, you know. I'm doing this because I want to lead well. I want to serve you well because a leader serve, but I need, I need you to tell me whether it's helping hmm. and you feel free to tell me this part is helping me. That part it's okay, but it, it's not as critical to me as this, as this other part. There are, there are two questions. I, I have the privilege over the years of speaking at several university commencements. And I say, I'm bringing a couple of gifts to you. Your, your folks may bring you the keys to the BMW or the school may give you the, the, the amount of the student loan you have to work out over the next 33 years. But, but what I'm going to give you is two questions that will change your life if you use them well. The first one, and folks have heard me say this on the program, is where's home for you originally? Mm. That's one. The second one is anything I can do for you. Hmm. If you authentically use that question and you as a leader you know, have some variation on that, what, what can I do for you that would help you the most yeah. and get feedback on that? I, t I tell these, these graduating students, there are three things. If you use that question authentically that you'll always have. One is you will always, your, your life will always have meaning. Second is you will always have friends. And the third is you'll never be out of work. You may not get paid for it, but you'll never be out of work. So I would just say that. Yeah. Just what, what am I doing or can I do that would you think would help you the most? Yeah. Appreciate the framing of it and questions. And uh, yeah, questions that we can carry with us. Dick, always appreciate your wisdom and insight. It's gold. And um, I appreciate it in my life and the listeners do too, because I get to receive the emails about them. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Amy Young from Global Trellis and learn so much um, from her of her passion for resiliency and missionaries and the need to for us to continue to grow. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have with us today, Amy Young. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Aaron. I'm so excited to be here. Amy, could you just take a few minutes um, just to share a little bit about yourself um, before we jump into some of the questions? I've done been doing research on you. My wife has shared many times about you and Global Trellis and your work. So I feel like I know you, but this is the first time we've met um, on Zoom. But yeah, just share a little bit about yourself. 
Excellent. Well, I'm a Colorado native who ended up going to the University of Kansas and from there spent 18 years in China. So it's, wow. you know, it's, a, it's a typical path, Colorado, <laughs> Kansas, China, you know, it's the typical path. After 18 years in China, and we, we didn't use the M word, it was okay. a relational ministry, but very much for the heart of the gospel. After 18 years in China, returned back to the U.S., surprising. So any of you who are listening and there's been, God has done like a surprising, like right turn, 90 degree shift, and you're like, whoop. I did not plan to be mid forties. Like I thought I had the plan for my life and then mid forties kind of rediscovering who I am and what role it is that God has for me at that time with some colleagues, I started an online organization called velvet ashes. Some of you might've heard of it. It's an Hmm. online community for women. This started in 2013. And so we were at the cutting edge of digital resources. Now, like, as you said, Aaron, we're doing this on zoom. Who had heard of Zoom in 2013? Like Skype was cutting edge. Um, And so started that five years with colleagues, got that up and running. And I am one that can kind of get a little bored. Actually, even in those 18 years in China, it was about four different iterations (laughs) of Amy. And and so Velvet Ashes is still up and running. Love it. Love them. I feel like Velvet Ashes is my grown up digital child. Like I love it. I'm so proud of them but I'm not involved in the day-to-day running. Okay. And then about two and a half years ago, started Global Trellis. And in the midst of all of that, I've written a number of books for cross-cultural workers. So, and I, I just have to say, I love the Denver Broncos. So <laughs> whether in China, Beijing, wherever, yeah. and, I love and, me the Denver Broncos. Good deal. Good deal. I didn't know the, the Velvet Ashes. I didn't know that, that there was a link there. So I, I missed oh, that yeah. part of it. I missed That's that part. Okay. Looming Transitions. I think you, you wrote a book, Looming Transitions. Yes, that, that was my first book called Looming Transitions, Starting and Finishing Well in Cross-Cultural Service. But really, it's for any upcoming transition. You might not be leaving the field, but yeah. you've got a lot of teammates who are leaving the field. Or your your kiddo suddenly is grown up and going off to college. That's and so there's where, that that's looming where, transition. That's so. where I'm at. That's the year we're in. So that's why that book is on our shelf and the book that we read um, because of that transition. So thank you for investing into the Santa Meyer household. Uh, We appreciate it very, very much. So is Global Trellis, you shared a little bit. How did you see this need and this desire to use technology to to train and uh, and global workers? Well, um, it came about because... I think for many, many of us, we have been trained to think dichotomistically. Either something is for soul, like spiritual director, soul care, member care. And then we've got like the leaders of an organization, the visionary casters, the this, the that. And I just feel there are not enough integrated spaces that that create space for both soul tending and skill building that we have to be doing both regardless of whether it's your first year on the field, regardless of whether you are a quote unquote leader, regardless, we all need to be integrating soul tending and skill building. So just like a trellis helps a plant grow, that's the whole idea of global trellis, wherever it is, God has called you, whatever your role in the great commission that you're growing, that you're growing in him and that you're growing your own God given talents. So very, very cool. And did you start it with yourself or did you, were there other colleagues or people that you brought on or yeah. With the, uh, with global trellis, I started it myself because I had great confidence after velvet ashes okay. that if you're doing something, the Lord is blessing, the people will come. And yeah. sometimes what I also learned in velvet ashes is in a digital space, 
because it is digital, it can feel quote unquote less real. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so you've got to have someone who will like stick their stake in the ground and and listeners, if you can see me, I just took my arm and I just throw (laughs) a big stake into the ground and say like, I am planting something here and I'm going to invite others to come into it. But if there isn't that strong sense of one or two or three people who will drive their stake in, in a digital space, as I said, where it feels less real, I think physical things like the work I did in China other ministries I'm involved here locally, but that was with, with being digital. And I just trusted Lord, if I take one step, if I just take the next step that you've got for me, you're going to build it. And I found through Velvet Ashes, there are so many people out there willing to be a part of things if you just ask them. And so I've just gotten really bold and brave about asking people, do you want to Hey, I see this fish you've got, you know, do you want to throw it into the pot? Hey, you've got a tomato. Like let's, let's add that to the broth and see, see how it flavors what we're doing here. Very cool. So you talked about the hurdle of maybe the separation with digital technology. What are some other hurdles you ran in, ran into with using technology for investing in global workers? The two biggest hurdles and everyone listening to this, get ready to smile and nod because you're going to go, yep, those are the two biggest hurdles. The two biggest hurdles are time zones. Yep. I see Aaron is nodding. Yep. Time zones and then internet speed. Some of the people are working in um, areas where internet is just Hmm. so unreliable. Like it might be great on Monday and Tuesday and then not working the rest of the week. And so just that unpredictability which was why at Global Trellis, almost all of our resources are downloadable. So okay. when your internet's working, you can download them For sure. or they are recorded ahead of time. We okay. do a few things live, but the vast majority for the ease of people to know, I didn't miss out on anything. I didn't want anyone in a remote area. I didn't want the internet speed yeah. or reliability to be a barrier to getting the resources from Global Trellis. No, it's a good word. Good word. Our pastor at our church did a, a sermon series on, I don't think he called it the three signs of the apocalypse, but that's what I named it was a low battery, um, no Wi-Fi, and the the, the spinning thing for when it's yes. you know, trying to load. So you've taken care of those things by giving people another option. So our, my kids and I, we've had a great phenomenal conversation of yes, those three things are super important. And for digital technology, if you don't have a battery, you don't have internet and you, and it's streaming then, and you're not connecting, then that can be super frustrating. So you talked, you talked about this joining. Um, What is, what are some reasons is vitally important that global workers continue to grow and um, continually to be equipped versus I think sometimes I come from nursing background and we know there's continuing education. We continue to grow and you can't have a license unless you do it. Um, But sometimes as global workers, we get to the field and we think, hey, I arrived. uh, I've learned all the things I need to know and I'm good. So what are some vital reasons that we need to continue to grow? I have a whole host of reasons, but I would also say part of it is a lot of people. I think the Lord doesn't tell someone in their 20s. For the next 40 years, you're going to be on the field. Sometimes he does. And some people have that clear sense of calling for for life. But sometimes it's, hey, will you go to the field for two years, for four years? And people are like, absolutely, I will. I will. And so they're not even thinking what I need for two years or for four years is going to be really different than what I need for 20 years. That's great. As I mentioned earlier, Global Trolls is a little young. We're two and a half years old. So last spring, we did a very comprehensive survey to figure out who is here. 
What is the niche that God has us playing? And what was fascinating and so helpful is that 92% of the people in Global Trellis on the field have been on the field at least three years. Wow. Which means only 8% are new to the field or, you know, in their first first three years. Of those 93, 92%, 64% have been on the field at least eight years. Wow. So 64% at least eight years. And then of, of people who've been on the field 20 years or more, that was 24% of that. Wow. So it wasn't like, oh, you are, you know, 90% years three to eight and just two percent so really that opened our eyes that who it is that global trellis tends to serve are people who've been on the field a long time yeah. or long time meaning three years or more right. and really eight years or more and the reason ongoing training is so important Aaron is exactly what you said in almost every other profession there's this built-in idea of, yeah. of ongoing training yeah. as a nurse you yeah. would not yeah. consider that you have done no training since <laughs> you got your initial exactly. training 20, 20, 20 some odd years ago. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't want to go to an electrician that hasn't continued to learn something or a plumber who is using plumbing tools from the 19 early eighties. Yeah. There's, no, there's few other professions. And yet in cross-cultural work with global workers, we haven't had this, this, Thought And I, I think it's just been an oversight. I don't think it's been, you know, malicious or unintentional. Right. And I also want to say there are so many wonderful organizations that do fantastic. We are not anti-organization. We love organizations, but we also know organizations are super busy. Yeah. And understandably, a lot of organizations, their focus is on getting people well oriented to the field. So there's a lot of great resources transitioning someone to the mission field and helping them kind of quote unquote, get their sea legs out, out on. But once they've gotten their sea legs, there isn't a great what's next. And that's where global trellis can come in and say, Hey, we want you to help continue to grow. We believe that if we are not careful, we can become either like a stagnant pond that the water, there's not fresh thoughts coming in. There's because we're so busy doing what we're doing, or there's almost that freneticness. You like yeah. someone out in a pond drowning, like just splashing around, splashing around, splashing around. So we want global trellis to be able to foster in people. How do we avoid stagnation? Yeah. Just because we're so busy, we haven't thought, where can I actually improve in this area? Where can I get some new skills so I can do whatever this is yeah. a little bit better, 10% better. Like we don't have to overhaul everything, but I, I think the Lord's model of growth is incremental, yeah. is incremental. And so often again, in this dichotomistic thinking for a lot of us, it's like, well, if I can't do it perfectly right now, I don't want to do it at all. Hmm. It's frustrating to grow. Yeah. It's wonderful to know. <laughs> it's a fr- sometimes it's frustrating to grow. Um, yeah. And so we just want to be like, hey, everyone, let's just have a spirit of learning. Let's just have a spirit of continuing to grow a little bit and to grow in a lot of different areas, not just the pet ones that we love. Like we're all going to be drawn. Some people love finances and they're going to totally grow in finances and poo poo yeah. interpersonal skills. 
They just need to get over it. I don't need to learn how to, you know, and others are gonna be like, oh, I just like, let's talk about conflict. Let's talk about our personalities. Budget. And like, no, we need to be growing in all areas. That's a good word. Good word. You share that um, when your job is God, you can drift into an utilitarian view of him. Um, Can you just share a little bit about that job being God and this utilitarian view of him? Yeah. Often for cross-cultural workers, for missionaries, for great commission workers, obviously we are going with the heart to expand the kingdom. So either whether that's through evangelism or through discipleship with, with deepening the roots. And so what are you going to be talking to people about? God, maybe, especially in the discipleship phase, you might be leading Bible studies. So you're studying the Bible, getting ready to lead this Bible study. Well, if you're not careful, then that Bible study begins to supplant your own personal relationship with the Lord. Mm. And you're, you're leading your prayer time is with others. You're like, so there's not just that personal Lord. I need a personal relationship with you where you and I are just talking where you and I are studying the word, not for what I can get out of it for a sermon or for a teaching I'm doing, or for, I'm just trying to find a little cultural nugget. I'm not, looking at it through like the eye of study, I'm looking at it through the heart of connection with you. Hmm. Um, and so that's what I meant there. That's good. Good. And it's easily, to, it's easy to fall into. And when yeah. you're, you know, that this, when you're continually producing or putting out, then mm-hmm. that can be all consuming, whether, as you said, yeah. whether you're planning the t- planning a church or you're discipling that becomes all focused. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it, I just, something I have seen many, many times and seen honestly in myself. And so that's yeah. what I just wanted to just, to, just to ask you about it. Yeah. What are some of the differences in life skills, people skills, and work skill, worker skills that global workers might need in a country of service compared to maybe their passport country or, or where they're coming from? A lot are going to overlap, but have tweaks that are unique to the mission field. Cause I do believe we all need to be understanding basics of budgets, understanding a little bit about taxes. You know, none of us have to be budget experts or tax experts. But for instance, if you went to the field when you were in your 20s, maybe early 30s, you were probably not at that stage of life yet that you were going to be in charge of something. Now, some people at a younger age are in charge of things or start something. But I would say 90% of people go to the field not needing to understand budgeting on a larger basis, budgeting for a program, budgeting for a department, budgeting for a country, budgeting. um, And then as you kind of maybe grow into higher levels. So these are things you didn't think this is a skill I need to understand. And maybe you were a Bible major at seminary or an English major or any other sort of skill, a nursing major, something medical. So you went to the field with this other set of skills that you had definite competency in. And suddenly now, oh, you're the last man or woman standing, and you're in charge of something and having to budget. But not ever really having been taught about how to think about a budget and more thinking, oh, it's for like the budgeting department or it's for the MBAs and not seeing, no, this is a life skill that's part of leading something. Being that a, a relatively small ministry, um, a side thing that your team is doing, even if you're starting an English movie night or you're wanting to host a Christmas party for orphans, 
there's going to be some element of, I've got to think through a budget. How do I get resources to meet these needs? How do I think through what are the, the pieces of them? In addition, other skills that you mentioned, like communication skills, it's really, really different when you live with and work with like your coworkers, the way yeah. often ministry is done on the field is quite different than life in North America or in many of our home cultures where you've got sort of your church circle, you've got your family circle, you've got your work circle. Well, if your work circle is not going so well, you've got a really annoying boss. You sort of only need to muster and it's still a ton, but maybe eight hours of energy right. a day for that person. Um, and then you can come home and vent to family members or friends. <laughs> oh, you'll never guess what he did today. Blah, 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 right. blah, blah. And then you get to go to your church circle where you can pretend you can present yourself sort of how you would like, you know, how you'd like to see yourself or, or to be really honest and maybe share more details about yeah. a situation. When you're on a cross-cultural team, those lines get very blurry, which is beautiful, but does require a different skill set. Our idea of who is a friend, hmm. you, we have a little bit more luxury in North America to select. Well, I would like a friend sort of in the same stage of life, sort of this, sort of that on the field. It's like, oh my gosh, okay. I'm old enough to be your mom, <laughs> but you actually want to hang out and talk with me. So I will be your friend. And yeah. so learning how to communicate, learning how to live a life that's more, the technical term is enmeshed, but just that that's more blended together. So that requires a different set of skills yeah. than relationships in North America. For sure. And Global Trellis, do you provide some resources to help people grow? You've talked about finances, interpersonal skills and understanding. Do you provide, um, yeah, what resources do you help that can help people in some of those areas? We have a number of resources. First of all, we have a team of what we call specialists. Okay. And the specialists have committed to, we have a blog. So they write once a quarter and we have two posts a week. One is soul tending Tuesdays. One is skill building Thursdays for just that rhythm, that kind of ebb and flow that we don't want to just talk about soul tending and never actually do it. And we don't want to just talk about skill building and never actually do it. We want to have that rhythm. And so sometimes a specialist might write a post that's a little bit more skills oriented. So it'd be on a Thursday. And sometimes it's a little bit more about the soul behind something. So it'd be on soul tending. We have, I'm trying to think how many, maybe nine specialists. We've got a transition specialist, a grief specialist. We have two soul direction specialists for the soul care. Yeah. We have a TCK specialist it's for third culture kids. We've got the financial specialist. Yeah. We've got a life hacks specialist. Generally, it's just awesome at all of the little things of life yeah. with pa passports and your schedule and like yeah. just all those little life hacks. We've got a language acquisition specialist wow. and we have a culture specialist. Very cool. Part of our philosophy of growth is it comes through drip, drip, drip of input. Any mm -hmm. one of us isn't going to just read one article on grief and be like... Nailed it. Yeah. I got it. Never need to think about grief again. Never need to read anything about it. <laughs> the same with finances or parenting. Maybe you're having an awesome parenting day. You read an article about TCK stuff and it doesn't really hit you that day. No big deal. The next quarter, you've just had a massive like throwdown with your four-year-old who will not eat 
or your 16 year old that won't connect with you. So you read an article on parenting, you're just in a slightly different space on that day and it just hits you differently. So part of how we do it is with these team of specialists writing quarterly so that we're just thinking about these things. As I said, we're all gonna be drawn to some topics. I know some language people, acquisition people, they could talk language acquisition all the time. And then you're like, well, let's talk a little bit about grief. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's feelings. No. And you've got others that are feeling, feeling, feeling in that. So, but we just all need to have all of these parts in play. For sure. Yeah. In addition, we have monthly workshops. So our okay. philosophy is also dripping, drip, dripping is great. Sorry. Yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. Dripping is great. Now the dripping philosophy of growth is great. But sometimes you do need to set aside a little chunk of time, an hour, and go a little bit deeper on a topic with someone who's truly put thought and effort into it and can guide you through. For example, we have a woman, Kirsty Ersch, who is a trauma specialist. Hmm. And so many people going to the field don't need to be trauma specialists. They don't need to be licensed counselors. They don't need to... Everybody on the field, I do not care where you are, is going to encounter trauma some way. Either the people you've come to serve live through a horrible natural disaster, a war. There's awful, awful poverty. Medical conditions are inadequate. There's systemic things going on. So you're going to encounter people who are traumatized. So as I said, you don't need to be a trauma expert, but with a little trauma training, it helps you to be able when the Lord opens door, opens doors for you to be able to actually serve people. Yeah. So we also have the the monthly workshops. Awesome. I appreciate, I appreciate so much the intentionality of it. And um, it's not haphazard. It's not just, you've really put the intentionality into it. And yeah, that's exciting. So um, you also share that the, the call is too great um, to do not become a statistic. And unfortunately, I think we've been on the field about 20 years now. And I think we've seen people come with a great vision and they feel God has come, uh, called them to come and they come and then they end up, you know, they end up being a statistic. So what can veteran workers when they can take from global trellis and what can they help? So when people are coming to the field that they can help the people that are coming, not become a statistic, if that makes any sense. No, it does. Also, as you're rereading that statement back to me, what flashes in my mind, Aaron, is I think we also have to redefine what being a statistic is. Often we define it as someone leaving the field. Yeah. We also know people who stayed on the field yeah. when really I think the Lord was calling them somewhere else. But out of this idea of what success looks like, mm. that success I, I, when I was head of member care and working with, with someone in a really difficult situation, they had almost always an idea of what success meant. And usually success meant I stay on the field. And there were some occasions where it's like, I think actually you insisting on staying here is actually failure. Wow. And success looks going somewhere else, possibly for a season. Maybe you do need to go home and be with your dying mother for the next six months. Maybe you do need to go get counseling or get additional degrees or your child is facing some unique need. Go wherever home is, get six months of really good occupational therapy with your kiddo to learn how to help and come back. And so even just this avoiding becoming a statistic, I think we need to think more broadly Hmm. 
and trust God more than, than it looks exactly like one thing. But I will say when we think of traditionally trying to help people avoid burnout, ironically, I was just reading a chapter in a book this morning by it's called lead with and by Tim Arnold. I need to meet Tim Arnold because I talk about him all the time. And if you knew, like, I think half his book sales are thanks to me because I love his stuff. And, and it's so ideal for people in ministry because he talks about his first book that I have right here was called the power of healthy tension. And his premise is most of us, especially Westerners have been trained to see things as a problem. And so we look for a solution. Hmm. Instead of being trained to identify what is a problem, a problem has a solution. Hmm. Not everything has a solution. If there is not an obvious solution, that is not a problem. That is a tension. And you need to learn how to manage that tension. Hmm. So the chapter I was reading this morning was how basically do you avoid, how do you be all in on a call, but also take care of yourself. How do you manage that tension? Hmm. And, and often burnout comes when we don't figure out how to take care of ourselves and we totally go all in or on the other extreme, then you're not really invested in anything important. And it's all about like, how can I make myself so comfortable? I think most people on the field listening to this, that's not the side they're on, but they're on the side of, I'd rather burn out than rust out. And I think God's like, uh, that's a false dichotomy. You do not have to, the choice isn't burn out or rust out. The choice is how do I learn to manage that tension? And so for veterans on the field, it starts with them modeling this rhythm of having family time, having for singles, having time when you hang out with friends investing in ongoing growth and development, growing in whatever it is the Lord has called you to do, but managing that tension. And through that, then with new people to the field, helping them to go, we all come to the field with some really (laughs) wonky false ideas of what ministry on the field is going to look like. I had no idea the first couple of years how boring it was going to be. (laughs) <laughs> that boring and exhausting that, that honestly getting food, cooking, shopping, we had the smallest refrigerator on the planet. It was a normal refrigerator for China, but compared to, so right. we were always walking to the market yeah. and you could only carry so much. or you could only buy as much as you could carry. Yeah. So again, it's like, Oh, I am spending all the time walking back and forth, <laughs> chopping, boiling water to do my dishes. Like all of these things like food and laundry. So much time. And it was like, that was not the picture I had in my head of Amy on the field, you know, (laughs) leading the masses to Jesus. It's like, I'm doing more dishes, you know, I'm chopping more vegetables. Um, And so I think it's all of that. It's all of that together that veterans need to be living that kind of life and then helping others on the field as they're new to manage that tension. Good, good, good word. And I think the the advantage too of having people come to the field for veterans is you, there's an exuberance there a lot of times and it's fresh set of eyes that you yes. can. And so it's that 
you know, that give and take from both sides, I think is, is super valuable. And things that I remember people would come um, when we lived in Madagascar and they would see things that I had driven by for days or actually years, not days, years, and never even noticed, but they noticed it. And then it, you'd just realize, man, a new set of eyes is a, is a valuable, valuable thing. So can you share about some of your upcoming workshops um, that you're excited about? And then how, how does someone access Global Trellis? How do they access some of these workshops? Excellent. Yes. Some of the upcoming workshops actually in the next month in April. Yep. I'm like, where are we in time and space? Yes. Next month in April is the fourth workshop in the trauma series. So it'll be trauma training 104 and it is on interpersonal trauma. So you've been hurt. And, and just because that actually can be some of the trickiest when it is that hurt by a brother or a sister or a friend, someone yeah. close to you, yeah. how do you heal from that? So that is the upcoming one. May is actually mental health month. So we're going to be talking about mental health, okay. just trying to, again, normalize mental health, physical health, mental health. So we're going to have a number of our workshops actually bundled together in May for a special mental health bundle. Also, we've got, I've got a guest specialist coming up who is a, he's a counselor, but his area of expertise is really stress and stress management. And he's got, he uses a resource called the Cerny Smith assessment and the Cerny Smith assessment is on stress. I forget the exact statistics, but let's say the average North American takes it and their stress level is 200. The average cross-cultural worker takes this, the same assessment and stress level, even in non-stressful times, is 800. Wow. And so he is going to be also offering, giving away 10 sessions where someone takes a certain stress assessment and then works with him. And we want to have him back like in the fall and like just to have this sort of be normalized. So understanding, I was just talking today to one of our people who had them do it to sort of see what the process yeah. was like. And she took it and her husband took it. And then he met with them as a couple. And she said it was so helpful to, first of all, just to be able to talk about our stress through that lens of of stress. And then for him to validate how much stress we're under, but also to identify what we're doing well and how much resiliency we do have that we might not have even realized. So it was a very helpful experience. So that's some of what's coming up. Awesome. awesome. And how someone accesses it, yeah. accesses it, you can just go to the website, globaltrellis.com, and you will see a whole, right on the homepage, you'll see what's the workshop of the month. Okay. You'll see what's that week's Soul Tending Tuesday article and Skill Building Thursday. People can sign up so that those just come every Tuesday and Thursday. You'll get a little drip, drip of input. We also have a number of courses that are available just at certain windows of the year. So someone can make an intentional choice. We've got one course called sabbatical journey course for people who are going on a sabbatical, a home assignment, a furlough, and it's designed to, to expand to whatever your organization is set up. So if you've got three months, you can use the course for three months. If you've got a six month or a one year and it's divided into four quarters, Okay. quarter one is rest. Quarter two is refuel. Quarter three is re-equip okay quarter four is refocus so you can use that um that normally is available early september and in january so again someone can make a decision am i going on furlough yes i'll get that or not so we're not all the time are you on furlough are you on furlough are you on furlough (laughs) 
That's obnoxious. Right. You've got right. two times a year. And then we also have a course called annual debrief and okay. a companion annual family debrief. We really want to normalize debriefing. And I understand mm -hmm. traditionally the way debriefing has been done, it needs to be in person. And I, I, I always think in person is the best in person is the best, but it's not practical that someone on the field and their family maybe comes back every year to do a debrief. And Unfortunately, we have thought about debriefing as like at the end of someone's time on the field or after something really traumatic happened. Right. And we just want to normalize debriefing. Yeah. That debriefing is something, if it's like doing laundry. You don't just wait until you have absolutely no clothes left. Hmm. We are doing laundry, hopefully, you know, every week, every two weeks, whatever is yeah. kind of your family's laundry rhythm. And uh, who does laundry? Everybody. Who yeah. needs to have their laundry done? Everybody. It's not like, oh, just people who've been through a trauma need to wash their clothes or, you know, just people who are. No, nope, everybody needs to wash their clothes. And we want debriefing to be just like that way of thinking. Oh, it's just something everybody does. So if we do our laundry, then when suddenly you're like, I need the blue shirt, the blue shirt is cleaned because I did it. And so yeah. we we just want people to have debriefed so that when a trauma does come yeah. and you might need to debrief that trauma. Yeah. You're actually debriefing that trauma yeah. instead of all of the other stuff that you had not debriefed. For so, sure. so all of those are available on the website. Thank you so much for helping us normalize member care. And, uh, you know, when we first got into this, it was more punitive. So when you thought mm -hmm. of member care and you thought of soul care, it was more, as you said, it was a reaction to something that happened. And it, it was more of a, I honestly saw it as punitive. And, um, and so I, there is a, I think there's a great shift and I, I want to thank you for help leading that shift and the, the world that we, we live in. And so um, I'm so thankful for what you're doing for what your team of specialists are doing. One last question I have for you. Is there a question I should have asked that I didn't, or you wish I would have asked that I did, didn't ask. You actually had a very well thought out interview. So no, I cannot, I am satisfied with where we are. Good deal. I, Cause sometimes, you know, you put, you put together the interview and then you think, well, and yep. then people leave thinking, I really wish you would have asked that question. So I at least wanted yep. to give you that opportunity. So, yep. well, Amy, will you pray for us? And um, I will put the links to what you've shared. I'll put that in the show notes and um, that way people can access it there. And uh, will you pray for us? Um, the God would use this. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Oh, Father God, thank you so much that you are a God that manages tensions, that you know what everyone who is listening to this, what it is they need, and whether it is more on that soul side or more on that skill side, Lord, that you want all of us to keep growing. And the verse that just comes to mind as Aaron and I were talking is Luke 2.52, where Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and found favor with God and man. And we know that was referring to when Jesus was uh, like a child. And yet, Lord, we know that you want each of us to continue to be growing physically, to be growing mentally, to be growing in our relationship with you and our relationship with others. So, Lord, I just pray for those who are listening to this, that you would help them to continue to grow, Lord, so that they can play their part in the Great Commission. And if there are ways that you need for them to rethink through what success looks like, what it is that you have for them, God, that you would just have your Holy Spirit right now flood them with peace that all shall be well, all shall be well, all shall be very well. And they do not need to fear the ways that you are leading them because you are a good God who loves your children. Thank you, Lord, that we can, we can trust 
in your love and that we can also have fun on the journey. You know, I'd love to have fun. So Lord, I do just pray for some fun for people listening to this as well today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.